In this episode, we're going to talk about how to deal with writer's block. This is STA Engage. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, as always, Dr. RPG Jeff Harvey. In the last episode, we talked about how to better be a how to be a better player. Uh, and if you missed that episode, or if you have some players at your table who you wish were a little bit better, uh, check it out, share it with them, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and share so you don't miss any future episodes. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about how you can deal with the bane of all storytellers, writer's block. And since the master of getting over writer's block uh, uh as is evident by his sheer volume of posts that he makes on continuingmissionssta.com. Uh, let me introduce my co-host, the idiomatic Michael Dismuke. Yeah, thank you. And and believe me, I, I actually write more at work and in my personal life than just even what you see on cmsta.com. So, you know, yeah, just what I do. The goal of the show is to help fans of Star Trek and of role-playing better engage in the Star Trek franchise and with the Star Trek Adventures RPG. This show is brought to you by the letter R and the number 17. I don't know why I just made those up as I was going. So anyway, the po the support of people like you uh, is also is essential. So if you enjoy what we're doing here, please share this episode uh, with just one other person or consider supporting the show on Patreon. Uh, help keep the show going for season one, show your support so we can help make season two a reality. Uh, you can also get access to a bunch of show archives, uh, my uncut episodes of Star Trek Europa, uh, which is a live play uh, game of Star Trek Adventures. You can also get a bunch of other stuff, including entries into uh, giveaways, automatic entries into giveaways, uh, invites to special Q&As, your name in the credits, whatever, like all that kind of stuff. And we're adding more all the time. So um, on the topic of writer's block. I have personally been suffering from writer's block for a couple of months now. Pretty much as soon as I picked up a new game, I started having writer's block. Michael, what do you do as a consummate writer to get over writer's block? Yeah. Well, like I said in the intro, um, you know, in my day job, when I'm not fighting crime, traveling the city, fighting crime at night, I actually, you know, build training modules. I write content. I do internal comms for our company. Um, and, and so I don't have the option of not writing because of so many deadlines. So, so I'll, I'll go over, you know, a few of my top five things that I do to get over writer's block. Um, I don't have enough time also, I don't know, maybe it's a chronic thing for me. I actually don't have enough time to write all the stories going on in my head. I have completed stories in my head, scenes I can visualize, swaths of dialogue that make myself laugh out loud. Um, and so I often ask myself, you know, why do I not suffer from writer block like other people? And I think it's because of those top five things. So you got a pen? You, you're, you ready? I, we got it. We'll put in the, we'll put these in the show notes too. Uh, I will say that sometimes I actually get so much, so many ideas that I think that causes writer's block. So you get that backed up or you just can't get it out fast enough. So, all right. What's your number one? Yeah. Okay. So um, actually it, it was best said by something that best selling writing uh, thriller writer, Stephen King penned uh, uh, before. Now this, this is somebody who's, who's penned over 50 novels and sold over 350 million copies in a career that spans over 40 years. Last time I checked the statistic and he said, and I quote the way that I work, I try to get out there and I try to get six pages a day. He says um, he has a he has a morning routine that looks like this. He says, I have a glass of water or a cup of tea. There's a certain time I sit down from eight to eight thirty somewhere uh, within, 
you know, somewhere in the same seat. He, he sits, has the same vitamin pill every morning. He, he listens to the same music and all the papers are arranged in the same place. The cumulative purpose of doing these things, he says, is he tells his mind, you're going to be dreaming soon. And, and the only thing I can compare to that, Jeff, is you know how when you're walking to the bathroom, you really have to start going? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's, sure. that's basically what he's doing. Is he's, created, he's created a Pavlovian response to sitting down drinking tea and, and uh, writing his books. So. Yes, and and I'm I'm the exact same way. Um, I actually I get up early in the morning. I do some meditation. Um, I do some personal reading to feed the soul. Um, and then I literally put my laptop on my lap. I have a beautiful view. I open it up and I just get started working on writing. And it may be work related. It may be fun related. Something I dreamt at night and said I got to get this down. But the routine is the key. So if you want to be a writer and get past writer's block. Can you right now, if I asked you, would you be able to tell me what time and day you sit down to write? I could not. Uh, but my routine is completely different than a lot of people's because I I think I work somewhat differently than a lot of people do. And it's unfortunate because I do suffer from artist block occasionally. Uh, and when I do, it is it takes a long time for me to get over it just on my own natural ways, which is, I think, uh, one of the reasons I really wanted to do this episode. So. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I'm not feeling it. I have to admit, I'm not feeling it, but I always sit down every morning in the same spot and do something. Sometimes it's a quick continuing missions article. And other times it ends up me telling myself, oh my goodness, I'm going to be playing RPG writing this story all day long. How do you maintain uh, your quality in those? Like, so I, I, when I force myself to write, sometimes I'll notice that my quality diminishes, or at least in my own standard, my quality diminishes. Okay. And of course, being somebody who's hypercritical of his own work, how do you, how do you keep that up? Okay, cool. My uh, the best advice I ever got was from my agent. Um, when I had my comic book game masters and I was writing the scripts for that, I actually had the same agent as the person who was the agent for Dilbert, Scott Adams. And Jeanette Smith, she told me, she says, write first, edit only when you're done. So I actually just flow and I write and I'll go back and edit it later. The most important thing she emphasized was just get it on paper. So you just added a six point, just get it on paper and yeah. don't edit as you go. It's the worst thing you could do as a writer. Yeah, that's exactly what Neil Gaiman says too. Just get it out. And Neil Gaiman has a, a, a quote saying that uh, you're going to write a thousand bad things for you get to one really good thing. But when you get to that one really good thing, it's so good. And you have to get past all the bad things that are in your head that you're going to write to get to that one good one. You can't go around them. There's no shortcuts. You just have to go through them to get it. Uh, yeah, I, I took the new game in master class and it was really insightful. Nice. And I bet you, Jeff, it, what I'm about to say is applies to there's something you may write down that's bad. And years later, maybe you come back and say, now I can use it. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. And you can revise it. Like I've got, a, I, I have, I use Scrivener to do a lot of my writing. It's a writing program that a lot of writers use. Um, and I've got probably four or 500 stories in there and they're short stories or, you know, six to 12 pages, that kind of stuff. I went through one that I did while I was at work on an ambulance almost 20 years ago, it was one of my first writings I did. It was on my first days on an ambulance. And I was writing it by hand. I went back and I typed it. I went back and read it about three months ago and I rewrote it. And it is, I mean, the writing was atrocious when I wrote it originally, but now going through and rewriting the, 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 the content that was there was good. It just was wrapped in this really poor writing and I've gotten so much better over the years. So uh, yeah, keep your stuff. Yeah, and I'll say another thing too, and I know again it's weird of me, but ever since I've been RPGing and writing, uh, playing RPG, 
My players love it. I didn't realize what a good practice it was, but I actually write every story after we play it. And mm-hmm. it's on continuing mission, at least the Star Trek ones, but I've actually even did, you know, that's, I, I'm that intense. So I actually refer back to old RPGs too and bring that into some of my modern writing, which is yep. interesting. I've always tried to do that. I take very good notes for some of, some of the games I've run, uh, especially in the last five or six years. I'm trying something new with my Europa game. It was kind of like what you're talking about, where I actually write up before or after the gaming session, I write up a mission brief that we've talked about in previous episodes of the episode I'm going to run with all the beats that I'm going to hit or the ones that we did hit that I thought were really good. That's a really good way to do things. And uh, I think it's going to help you see where you've been, where you're going and what you can do to improve. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And I'm, those are going to be available when I eventually get them up on the Patreon. So, well, well that, so that was a lot on point number one. That was just That's about routine. It was yeah. about routine. It's like, for me, it's the, the daily time that I write. Sometimes it's taking days off ahead of time so I can binge write like you, you talked about. And it's even being in the habit of as we play my RPG games, I always close it out and have the routine of doing a finished story. Right. Um, so point number two is, is start with the exciting stuff. So what I mean by that is I rarely start writing at that, at that, once upon a time moment. I write the scenes I want to see played out. Um, I once wrote, let me tell you a real story. I once wrote a 50,000 word uh, novel. It was over 50,000 words. It was on Thor, who who excites me as a character. Um, It was an exercise I did. I wrote all the cool things I wish I could have seen in a Thor movie. This is before the movie came out. Now I then weaved and I wrote it disjointed. I wrote like, oh, this would be cool if Loki was at the UN doing this. Oh, this would be cool if the Wrecking Crew came out and did this. I wrote those scenes, even though I know they were different times in the story. And then once I had all those best scenes, I weaved all of them together. And I ended up with like 62,000 words. If anyone wants to see it, I'll send it to you because I sure can't get a deal with Marvel to publish it. Uh, but, but I did this in one month's time. And it's all because I started with the coolest scenes. And so even with like Star Trek Adventures or other RPG campaigns or my comic book that I wrote, I took, I started with the joke I wanted to tell. I started with the character I want them to confront, that scene. I I did the scene that I want the PCs to be tossed into, the dialogue I imagine would happen. I'm not worrying about linear order. I'm going totally celestial temple Bajoran prophets on this. And I just write those cool scenes. And then once that's done, I, I, I arrange the puzzle pieces and fill in the gaps. You yeah, one, like that? I, one thing that I do a lot is I tend to keep a notepad. Um, I don't keep it a physical notepad. I actually use one Microsoft OneNote on my phone. And, and I, if I come up with a quote, uh, I'll put it on the, the app. Or if I come up with a cool scene I want to do, I'll, I'll voice dictate it right in there so that it's there. Um, and it's faster for me to just say it than type and misspell everything. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's been really helpful for me. Um, uh, I, I once came up with a quote for a Ghostbusters movie, a bunch of kids walking around, uh, you know, like Stranger Things aged kids. And it was total platonic reversal, which is a, you know, protonic reversal. It's a, it's a Ghostbusters joke and, uh, and, a, and a teenage sex joke of the same all at once. Uh, I have nowhere to put that, but it is in my list of things. I will eventually write something for it. So I definitely get where you come from. Hey, it'll come out sometime. You know, I wrote a poem for, you know, at that time I was dating her, but my wife literally, 26 years ago and it was a kick butt poem and i actually had a chance to actually publish it in a comic book 20 years later um and and again it was so good i had to write it down i didn't know where i was going to put it but it ended up making me a couple dollars 20 years later you know so so um 
that doing that, write down what you have and later on go into your grab bag and form your stories. I suggest that. Right. No matter when your ideas come to you, they're valuable ideas. Find a way to write them down. Keep a notebook with you. Uh, uh, Herner Wurzog, in, a, in his masterclass, I've taken a lot of masterclasses. In his masterclass, he talks about uh, every idea is, has merit. Um, but figuring out how much merit it has comes later. So you write your mer- idea down. You think about your idea. You process your idea. And if it's no good right now, set it aside and come back to it later. Um, you it. never know when your inspiration is going to strike for something that you, you know, you're not sure what it was when you did it, but 10 years down the road or five years down the road, or even six months down the road, you might find that that is the idea that inspires you going forward. Um, what, yeah. where do you get a lot of your inspiration and stuff from? Um, good question. So that's actually point number three for me it is I have working groups that inspire ideas. They support me. They really get me going. Um, it's definitely geek talk. Um, where we can be ourselves. I'll tell you right now, I can be in the middle of total geek talk with, with this group and and maybe a family member walks by who's not into geek and it will dry me up. Like I, I cannot express myself. I don't want that. I don't want to hear my hear how they hear me. Um, but but I have a, a, a good uh, buddy who pulls together people from all over the country and we jump on a call together and we just shout out our ideas and we say, hey, we we respect each other. We have 10 minutes go around. And that's it. Anybody who wants to stick around for 10 more minutes, go around, can. So uh, that that really helps. We're positive. We don't dog each other's ideas. Um, and I'm able to toss out ideas. And the reason I like this, Jeff, is because some of my ideas, I want to see the visceral reaction. We all know that sometimes we we tell stories or we have geek friends who tell a story and we're like, okay. You know, yeah. Yep. But then sometimes I tell a story and they're like, Oh my God, that, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking right. for that or, or haha, or, Oh, that's sad, man. That's messed up. Or, Ooh, can you really say that? That's not quite PC. That's what I'm looking for. And I pull those reactions from some of my craziest ideas. And that helps me get over. Uh, that helps me build those little puzzle pieces that later on will help me get over writer's block. Sure. One of the things I like to do is, uh, so I write a lot of other projects that aren't just this kind of thing. I've been working on getting into film lately. And one of the things that I like to do is work on uh, writer's rooms. A writer's room is where you get a bunch of people together and you just sit and you throw out ideas each other and you have a whiteboard and you write them all down in the order they're going to be and you you snap things together. Um, You can do that for D&D too or for Star Trek Adventures or whatever game you're playing. Get a couple other GMs together who play. Uh, I've got a friend who's been running games for longer than me because he was my first GM. Uh, and we'll sometimes get on discord and just talk back and forth. Like, here's the ideas that I have. What do you think? Um, throw them around there. And the more people you get to a point, five or six is a good number, but the, the more people you get into this, uh, this group that are not me playing your game, but are, are story people, the more creative you're going to get feeling, you're going to get those juices really moving. And you're going to, you're going to find that your stories find come out really good. As long as you can manage uh, your own story and your own creative mind, You'll get a lot of ideas from people who are are just out there like way too far because they're not, they don't think the same way you think. So you take their idea and you mold it into what you need it to be to fit your voice. But yeah, yeah. it's great. And you know, actually you nailed it. Most, some people may be familiar with the Star Trek Adventures Facebook page, but there's also a subgroup called Star Trek Adventures Game Masters. And it's yep. just, it's supposed to be only for game masters, just for what you talked about. I think we only have about a hundred members in it. I know um, I, I brainstorm with like Al Spader, who's one of our, 
continuing mission posters. Um, I do want to put a little caveat in this, though. Um, sometimes we're under non-disclosure agreements. <laughs> so if you really have an idea that you really, 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 really like, or you really think is going to be a potential for business, you may not want to share that idea. That's just a business idea, I have to say. You may want to share something similar, share just a scene without putting it into a, con a context, maybe, um, but just something to think about when you're when you're sharing ideas. Sure. And that really only applies if you're writing, if you're writing for something, like if you're Correct. looking to publish or something like that. Um, we also have a couple of spots in the Discord, uh, the Star Trek Adventures, um, Starfleet Command Discord, that are for like writers and creators and stuff like that. So if you're looking for, for people to bounce ideas off of, we've got people uh, and who are, some of them are more than happy to talk at length to you Good. about whatever. So it's great. Cool. So we're through three of the five points so far. So the first was right. routine. Two was start off with the exciting stuff. Write your best scenes, best lines first. The third thing I did is, again, I have a group that inspires me to write. So after I get off there, I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to go get to work. And then the fourth thing um, I do is about those brick walls. I know I constantly talk about brick walls. We talk about how um, when I'm creating the mission briefs and when we're in the different beats of the mission brief, I'm actually saying, where are the, where's the conflict in this paragraph? And, and um, oftentimes, writer's block actually comes from writer's boredom, meaning, meaning the scene feels like a dud. Um, so if that's the case, you add some conflict. And that doesn't mean explosions or ninjas dropping from the ceiling. Maybe the, the character is having a conversation with his new girlfriend and his front button pops off as they're talking. Okay, you may think, well, that doesn't really have to do with the overall plot. It doesn't matter. It's real life. It's It may be funny. It may indicate that maybe he has COVID weight. You know, whatever it is, it creates uh, the world. Maybe they're heading into a meeting. The character is heading into the meeting and their boss, uh, to their, with their boss, and they trip over a misplaced vacuum cord. Well, maybe this makes him lash out unreasonably to the janitor, or maybe it injures himself and now he has a bloody mouth walking into the meeting. Did that just change your scene up a little bit? Um, maybe the power goes out on the bridge during an STA game and for no good reason, just make it go out. We'll get to the explanations later. It just changes the boredom of the day. And people, believe me, your players will panic and be like, why the heck did the power go out? And you have conflict and you have a story. So these small little brick walls, small conflicts are fine to, to get the boredom out of your story. And oftentimes that would so solve the writer's block too. Right. Uh, it's the, the, the what about it, the what a twist thing. You don't have to twist everything, but you can certainly uh, throw a little bit of conflict in and just figuring out what the conflict is by itself, not even figuring out where it's going to be in the scene, just figuring out what the conflict is going to be can write whole stories for you. In fact, it's how I tend to write my stories. Um, yeah. I get a central conflict and I go from there. And as you build your central conflict out, throw a couple of smaller conflicts in and, and you've got pretty much a, a, a Marvel movie. So yeah, in fact, you really see it. If you look at any action movie, they use the same brick walls every time. Police chase, roof chase, run through glass in an airport. You know, and it's all the same stuff because they're just, let's throw some brick walls and the audience will just sit there like, wow, right. this is so innovative. But actually, it's all the same brick wall tricks. Sure. And one good place to get some ideas if you don't have any, uh, I go to tvtropes.com. Uh, I think it's my, it's something like that. It's TV tropes. Just Google it. You'll find it. Um, and there's a lot of like, you'll see all this stuff. You'll learn a lot about the way TV is written when you do that. Like you look at it and you start pointing out everything. One thing that sucks about it is that once you start getting into this kind of writing and you start doing those level, that level of, of intricacy, 
uh, it makes it hard to watch regular TV again because you see every single thing they're doing every single time they do it. <laughs> but but you know, it's okay. How many of us have collected comic books for 40 years and they use the same tropes all the time? Right. We want the ending, dun, dun, you know, and, and that's what we get. That COVID how many times, said it's how many like times did Superman beat the bad guy? You know he's going to win, right? You know every time he's going to win, but that's not what makes the character interesting. I, exactly. People argue that he's not interesting, but what makes him interesting is the is the character conflict of, of the character. And you keep throwing these different bullets at your characters, your, these different brick walls at them. And what, as they grow, we know in Star Trek Adventures that they're going to win every episode. We know this because we watch TV, we play the game. But when we throw these brick walls at them, they have a chance to go around them, go over them, go under them, however they want to do. What, the, what they decide to do and how they decide to go past those brick walls is what makes the characters more interesting. So Yeah. Yeah, use time as a brick wall too, a countdown, right? So yeah, that, that's how I think when I'm sitting there bored by the material, I just throw something in and, and that sometimes just gets me fired up. Right. Um, the last, speaking of time, the fifth point is I, it kind of has to do with routine, but deadlines. So I do set deadlines for myself. So at work, I have no choice but to have deadlines. Um, for my Star Trek Adventures games, sometimes I'll, I, I would have just came out of one game and I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm like, man, I need a break. But what I'll do to commit, I'll send a text to the group. Hey, we're starting up on Saturday. That forces me now to start writing to get ready for the game. So even though I don't want to, I have no ideas. I'm actually whipped from the last game. I threw a deadline out there. Um, and then I have the same deadlines for myself um, when, I, when I'm just writing for my personal projects. Um, is that I tell myself I'm going to do an article for continuing mission here. I'm going to do this uh, article for a blog over here by this date. And I'm a very organized person. I teach time management to the industry. Um, so I, I always feel guilty if I don't do it because then I'm like, I'm a bad teacher. You know, I can't, I can't practice what I, I have to practice what I preach. But definitely have a calendar and have deadlines and challenge yourself to meet them. Yeah, that's a problem I have is beating deadlines. I always wait till the last second and cram. I'd have, I'd have been a good lawyer, I guess. <laughs> that sometimes, you know, again, that can that can work. I'm I'm not against. Um, some people are more creative as they get closer to the deadline. So cramming is not the problem. It's just that if it's kind of like I'll get to it when I get to it. Usually in life, that means we never get to it. Right. Yep. So imagination is and has always been at the heart of great storytelling, and with. Uh, and with the help of our players, dice, some rule books, and a rich and immersive setting, largely we get that in Star Trek and other games as well, role-playing can create some truly unforgettable experiences. But sometimes, what was once a vibrant, enthusiastic, or even prolific storyteller can feel, can feel like they're in a creative drought, uh, a broken or abandoned mind. Uh, their glory days of telling amazing tales is lost forever, their books, their notes, their memories, all just remnants of the past. Trust me, it happens to literally everyone at some point. The good news is, it's a lie. Your brain is lying to you. And you need to nip that sort of thing right in the bud. If you are passionate about, the, if you aren't passionate about the story that you're telling, then why are you telling it? Nobody likes to write boring parts. But the best thing about being a GM is, you don't have to write the boring parts. Your job is to write excitement. The player's job is to provide all of the rest of the story. If you aren't excited by the story anymore, what can you do to rekindle that flame? Um, you can uh, return to uh, what inspired you originally in the first place, put up deadlines, brick walls, however you want to do it. Do whatever you can to start the fires of your storytelling passion. And if none of that works, this is something we didn't talk about, but if none of that works, put it down, walk away from it, and tell yourself 
it's it's time to recover. You need to take time for yourself. Talk to your group. Let them know that you need a break and that you need to refill the tank or recharge the batteries or free up some spoons or whatever it is that you do for you. Um, see if someone else is willing to ride is, is riding a, 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 a wave of passion fruit that came out totally wrong. Uh, maybe they can GM for a little while or maybe, you know, heaven forbid, you can play a different game for a little while. But nonetheless, your 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 creativity will come back to you. And if my experience is any indication, uh, it will come back to you in such overwhelming waves that you will be struck, uh, you'll be stuck spinning your wheels for weeks at a time just trying to get everything out on the paper. Take a breath, sort it out, clean it up, put in the work. If you've learned nothing else from this episode, it's this. There is no easy way to beat writer's block. Retreat, refresh, and get right back at it. There is no substitution for putting in the work. So pitter-patter, get after all right. On that note, unless you have anything else, Mike, that you want to talk about, I think we can wrap it up. I have nothing else to say. I think I have writer's block. <laughs> I'll put a deadline on it. The show's almost over. <laughs> Next time on STA Engage, uh, now that you've gotten the pro tips on how to beat writer's block, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about where you can find inspiration for your campaign and how you can start the process of building a living RPG world. So tune in next time for Space Seed or A Taste of Armageddon. Until next time, I'm your host as always, Dr. RPG Jeff Harvey. And on behalf of myself, my co-host, Michael Dismuke, and everyone that works behind the scenes here, live long and prosper. Thank you.